the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome aboard. I'm Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM, La Patrona 1640, 93.1 Elray, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk with you about getting more people back to your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio, building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you, marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the latest and most powerful online tools of Salem Surround, and most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or a connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. With Mission Connection being back this year, I thought it would be very interesting to hear from a missionary family. So something we're going to do that's very interesting today is we're actually not going to use their real names to protect what they're doing, but hopefully get some great insights and think about considering where God is calling us. Is that directly in missions as, say, a full-time missionary? Is it simply being a better neighbor to the widow across the street or a combination of thereof? So I'd like to welcome the parents, Philip and Stacy, we'll call them, and son we will call John. So welcome, Philip, John, and Stacy. How are you today? We're doing great. Thank We're doing you. excellent. Thank you so much for having us. You know, it's really funny. I've had several prospective guests say that they wanted to come on Difference Makers. And for whatever reason, last week, everybody kept dropping out on me. And I'm thinking, God, I'm supposed to be ahead of the game right now. How come I can't find anybody? And lo and behold, I bump into Philip and Stacy at a prayer meeting that my wife and I got asked to moderate at our church. And we just kind of clicked and hit it off. And they ended up speaking at our church on Sunday morning. And they work in missions, but they're back in the United States temporarily. So I'm going to open up with an interesting question. What called you out of your careers to go onto the mission field in the first place? You'd mentioned that a lot of people go to the mission field because they hear about it from God's prompting early on in life. And maybe they'll go to college and then boom, straight onto the mission field. But in your case, it was different. So can you give us an idea of what happened with you, Philip? Sure. So for me, what I found was early on, and both Stacy and I grew up in a home where we, uh, we had ministry all around us, and there was definitely emphasis on hospitality. There was kind of always people coming and going. And so it was kind of always present and there. And uh, I remember my mom while she was making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and things like that for us as kids, 
she also ran a, a nonprofit that this was in the pre-internet days. They would send out like cartoon clippings and uh, letters from magazines and things like this to just encourage uh, the missionaries in the field and let them know they're not forgotten. So I grew up stuffing those envelopes and doing bulk mailing and things like that. And early on, I made a decision that if she talked about what would happen to people who don't hear the gospel, and I, I said, well, I'll go. But that was when I was like five years old, and I forgot all of that. And so what happened was later on in life, both Stacy and I, God had us where uh, where he wanted us to be. But we were literally continents apart. So he brought us together, and then right after he brought us together, he took us apart. And so she was in the in the Middle East, um, and she was getting her master's degree down in the Middle East. And I was a project manager and an engineering firm in downtown Portland. So neither one of us wanted to be disobedient to where God called us to be. But it was one of those things that we could just feel that there was something there. And so we were just praying and waiting to see, okay, if this is going to come together, God's going to have to bring it together. So uh, one night before, actually, I was going to do my quiet time. It was crazy busy, and I had missed it that morning. And so the best I could do was just to do it that evening. But before I even sat down, it was very clear instructions that I received from the Lord about how to proceed in, in our relationship and it's one of only two times in my life where I've had an experience like that. wasn't quite an audible voice in my head, but it was as close to something like that as you can experience. And the, the clear instructions were to propose to my wife when she came back from her break from school, and uh, I think this is around the winter time, and then to get married the following summer, and then follow her back to uh, to correct her quit my job to go back with her to the Middle East while she finished her graduate degree, and then to come back and spend two years in preparation for full-time service. Now, you have to understand at that time, we hadn't really had conversations about getting involved in full-time service. So I was just kind of like, yes, yes, okay, this is great. I get the girl. This sounds great. And then I was like, wait, what? And God didn't really give me more information. But you fast forward in time, we kind of did all of that stuff. And then we, when I came back from the Middle East, I got my old engineering job back and we were doing that. And we kind of start coming to the end of this baby fog because we just had like, you know, our, our first kid and I think actually our first two kids. And we were kind of coming out of that baby fog and we remembered, oh yeah, we made a promise to the Lord. And so we started to just kind of get to this place of being willing to stay, but ready to go. And so we kind of got to that place and we kind of started seeking out there and seeing what's out there. And um, Stacy can talk a little bit about what that experience was like. But we, I remember sitting on the couch and uh, she came back and she talked to me. And as we were talking about it, for the first time, I really realized that it wasn't just a resource issue, that there was a people issue and that we needed people to go to serve in some of these ways. And so I looked, you know, to Stacy and I thought, you know, this is something we can do. And I said, we got to go. And she's like, I know. She's like, I've been telling you that. <laughs> but so as we were, um, we started to pray about that really hard. And God was very clear to us. And he spoke and he said, I will bless you if you stay. I will bless you if you go. And so it was a free choice. And so we talked about it and uh, we just felt the tug of over there more like we just felt the need over there more. But we knew in our hearts, we knew in our minds that the gospel's needed everywhere, right? It's needed right here, right here in our hometown, you know, and it's not that 
people over there are more important than people over here. There's a need everywhere. But we felt the need over there more. And so we were talking with our uh, pastor at church about that. And he said, well, that's usually a sign that that's where God's calling you. Where you feel that pull more, that can be a sign that that's where God's calling you to go. And so once that became clear for us, it became just a matter of obedience. I'm glad that you brought that up, Philip. You use the biblical wisdom of seeking counsel in a trusted confidant. In this case, it was your pastor. So, Philip, Stacy, do you have any tips about those who are trying to discern, well, gee, what is my calling from God versus what I want to do for me selfishly? And can those indeed overlap? Oh, that is a loaded question. <laughs> um, there was a time, you know, I had just met Philip and we had just started dating and I received news that I had been awarded this fellowship to do graduate school in the Middle East. And I didn't know what to do because I had promised the Lord I would go to grad school if he paid for it. And I thought I should have applied to a school closer to home. <laughs> but I was talking to my sister and she said to me, I, I was telling her I needed to pray about whether to go or stay because I just met this guy and he might be important. And she said, Stacy, you know how to hear the Holy Spirit. And that was actually really affirming for me that somebody who knows me told me that I knew how to hear the Lord because that is, I think, a struggle everybody has. Is is it my own desires or is this really from the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And I think what we've I've learned, it's still a work in progress, but you just have to go with that. Ask the Lord to confirm it and he will. Whether I think it took me three times at one point to be obedient <laughs> to actually use the degree he gave me, but it was what I needed to hear. And so, yeah, you just you just keep asking. Don't move forward until you have a firm answer. And, and that confidence in the Lord's direction gives you the perseverance to do things that are difficult or maybe um, countercultural. But if he tells you the other thing, it gives you perseverance to to stay in potential difficult situations. And yeah. I think it also comes down to, you know, how does God speak to you? Like knowing how God speaks to you, right? And for me, uh, I've always found that things that are really important, oftentimes God won't speak to me directly on those things. Um, I think that that's his way of keeping me humble because then I have to go to other parts of the body, other people, uh, and I have to – Sometimes even before I come to them, the Lord will have a word, will, will speak to them, and then they will come to me and just feel like, I need to tell you this, you know, and they will come and share something with me. And so I think that they're really, uh, for me, that creates a dependency on me that keeps pulling me back to uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ that I really need. So I think understanding how does God speak to you and then falling through on that. And then the other thing I learned from Stacy was – I learned to to test things. Uh, so when you know in that story that we were talking about, when God gave me those three clear instructions about the marry, you know, how to get married, I put out three specific fleeces at the time to see, you know, okay, is this really of the Lord? And one of them was I didn't have any money saved together for a ring, and so I asked God for the money for you know for the ring. Second thing I asked for is I believe that as a man you have an obligation to work. I mean, in the Bible it says you have an obligation to work so that you have something to contribute to the body. And so I prayed about it. I'm like, Lord, I know no one in the Middle East. I don't know what I'll do. I don't want to just sit on a couch and play video games all day. Like, you know, I need something to do. 
And so I needed God to provide something for me to do. So I asked him for that. And the last one was harder. At the time, things were going really well with my career and with my company. And we were just being blessed amazingly. So uh, without going into the whole long story of it, hardest project in my life. And I was walking in on the coattails of an engineer who'd had 40 years of experience, and I had four. And so I was trying to do a similar project and a very demanding client. And I literally remember praying my way through every single day. And it was clear to me that God had me where he wanted me to be because he was growing me in my faith at work. And so I went through that whole process. So things were going really well with work. And so I asked the Lord, I was like, okay, give me disfavor with my job. Give me disfavor because at the time they adored me. And so I asked for that. It was a hard prayer, but I knew if that happens, that's a really clear sign to me that this is truly of the Lord. I think, too, one thing that is helpful is to learn to trust the Holy Spirit in my husband and him vice versa for me. I know there was a time when Mm. uh, we had to make a pretty important decision in our ministry, and it had to do around asking people to join us in our work. And we were just praying about a lot. And Philip really wanted to ask this one person. And I just didn't have a piece about it. It was driving him nuts because I couldn't tell him why. I said, I just don't feel good about this. And that was the Holy Spirit because, and he, you know, to his credit, he said, okay, I don't like it, but okay. And it was years later, we found out some really tough stuff about that individual that would have been really hurtful for our work. Yeah, would have blown up our team. Yeah, so it was really just trusting those gut instincts and having it confirmed by others when possible, but but not moving forward if you don't have confidence that it's from the Lord is important. Having patience like that, that's been tough, but it's paid off. Yeah, well, and sometimes it's it's just clear that, you know, God may not give me uh, any communication on an issue, but trusting that he's speaking to you or vice versa. And w- when we have that certainty, trusting the other. It's funny that you brought that up, Philip and Stacy, because I was involved in an outreach that had a lot of yellow or red flags crop up before then. And I sought counsel from the parent organization, and I did pray about this long and hard. But admittedly, I followed man's reasoning, and that was a major, major mistake that I regret to this day. Whereas, on the other hand, what you two did as a married couple was you trusted that God gave you the right person and that your spouse's insights had value and had merit. And by listening to each other and not going with your individual gut, you spared yourself from what could have been an ugly situation. So good for you. That and my old pastor back in New York used to tell me that God's calling in your life is never going to contradict his word. So the more you're into your Bible, the more your Holy Spirit-led spidey sense is going to go off when something's just off, even if it looks perfect on paper. So great insights from missionaries Philip and Stacy. We're going to hear from their son, John, next. And don't forget to check out the wonderful resources available at the website missionconnection.com. That's spelled mission, C-O-N-N-E-X-I-O-N.com. More with Philip, Stacy, and John next on Difference Makers.
Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here reminding you to check out the wonderful resources at the website missionconnection.com, spelled mission-c-o-n-n-e-x-i-o-n.com. We are speaking with a missionary family right now. It's great hearing some stories from Philip and Stacy about how God brought them together and how God prompted them to make some major changes that may have been less comfortable than the average Northwesterner is used to seeing. So, John, tell us about yourself. We're using an alias to protect the innocent here. So, John's actually not your real name. So I'm thinking we're in a safe place right now. So, how old are you, sir? I'm 10. And have you been on the mission field for the majority of your 10 years on this earth? About half. About half. So... How has that been for you? Did you start off overseas, or are your earliest childhood memories here in the Pacific Northwest? My earliest memories are overseas, but I am a American citizen. Good for you. So... How do you like living both overseas and the times that you're able to visit the United States where you have family and cousins and things like that? I would say it was really nice coming overseas because I got to get a rabbit. I got to get a yard. There's a lot more freedoms. And, well, if we didn't go overseas, my youngest brother would have never been here oh why is that that sounds interesting well we thought we were done with three kids and uh my husband decided that our family wasn't complete yet so we decided to have a fourth kid because we wanted our kids to have people that they could relate to and understood their lives as they grow rather than having a small core of you know one or two we thought well four is a good number (laughs) growing up uh my dad had been kind of a military brat going around and I was kind of like the business equivalent of that where, you know, every few years dad would change jobs or they would buy a company or something like that. And so we would move every two to three years. And so I had small idea, but I imagine that living in different countries all over the world, what we heard from friends and other people who had gone out overseas before us was that the family becomes really important. And so we just, prayed about it and felt like it was incomplete and God told us to have one more. And so we did. But I think John is referencing probably what he's heard me say before, which is that I don't know that we would have had another child. I would have had our fourth child if we hadn't gone overseas. And so a lot of times what we found is that in a lot of ways we speak about our fourth child as if he's kind of glue. The other three tend to be very strong personalities in good ways. But our fourth is is a pretty sweet kid who has a way of just kind of bringing everyone together. And so it's one of the blessings that we have had as a family from going. John, can you explain more what you mean by having more freedoms overseas? Yeah. What are the things that you love most about when you're visiting the United States? And what are the things that you love most about when you are overseas? One of my favorite things about not being overseas is I get to be with my family and relatives and do a lot of fun stuff that I wouldn't be able to do overseas. And overseas, there's a lot of stuff. The freedoms that I have are, for example, 
I was able to get a pet, and as able to walk to my school, I could go ride my bike around the area. And one of my favorite things was I could walk to the grocery store whenever I got permission, or mom would just like ask me. We need rice for dinner tonight, and she would just give me some money, and I would go over and buy rice. It was really cool. I love the fact, John, that at your young age, you like having responsibilities. You like being able to go out and do things and get things done. It doesn't matter that you're not an adult yet. So good on you. So we would call you an MK. So do you know what the the letters MK stand for, John? No. Okay. An MK is a missionary kid. Versus a PK being a pastor's kid. And I've gotten to meet and interview a bunch of them over the years. And sometimes it's like when you're the son of, say, a police officer or a politician or someone with some fame to their name. Sometimes it's tougher on the kids or different responsibilities come into play. But I want you to know that God's got huge plans for you. And just enjoy the ride. Love on your parents. Listen to them, even if sometimes... You might not want to, and I think you're going to end up just fine. So next up, Philip, Stacy, how on earth did you meet in the first place? Well, a very boring story. A friend at church introduced us. Although I will say, I worked at the church where we both attended, and the young adult population was pretty slim. There was an L. Elf- slim is slim because I know <laughs> that chapter of life. Because after my stupid, godless college years and coming back to the Lord. I got guilt-tripped on to doing the soundboard because I'd worked in radio at college. So my dear friend, Kurt, who is like the six-foot-four little brother I never had, we would look over the balcony during the holy moment of confusion, which is where you're supposed to shake hands and say hi to the person sitting next to you. And we would look over the balcony and look down and play the weekly game of, let's see how many people are here at a little church on Long Island in New York between the ages of 18 and 30. And every week, the answer was... Alec. And we liked Alec well enough. Okay, but if you're 20-something-ish and you like to meet people, going to a church where there's virtually zero other people in your age bracket can really kind of be a downer. So yeah. you had a similar situation yes, in your church? And, well, there was a really funny situation. <laughs> I don't know if this is appropriate to share. Um, so I was singing in the choir, and the lady I stood next to, she was, I don't know, probably in her 50s, but she knew that I wanted to get married and that there weren't a lot of prospects. And so she would help me and we would be singing, looking at the congregation and she'd like whisper out of the side of her mouth, how about that guy? And at one point <laughs> she was pointing out this guy and I was looking and she's like, you know, he's wearing dark hair and maroon shirt. And I almost lost it there on stage because I, I whispered out of the side of my mouth to her, that's my dad. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, it was distant. You know, we couldn't see him very clearly, but <laughs> yeah, it was slim pickings. And so I worked at the church, and at the time, you could write your prayer request during the service and turn it in, and the staff would type up this report, and they would pray for these prayer requests throughout the week. And it was recorded on this database, and one of the elders had told me about Philip, and I said, oh, he sounds very interesting. Feel free to introduce me. He never did. Um, nice job, Elder. And then, I know, and then I, I thought, I should look him up in the database. So I looked up his prayer request history, 
And I told the elder, he seems like a really neat man, but I don't think I want to deal with that right now. <laughs> so I don't know if that should be included on this interview, <laughs> but it was really funny. Um, but, you know, sometime later, um, we just happened to have a mutual friend who was a woman and she had a gathering at the at Washington Park. And, and that's where we first met. Mm-hmm. So do you remember the moment you first laid eyes on your now wife, Philip? I do. I do. It's pretty funny. Um, so, yeah, got to understand that during this time, work was just going crazy. It was like during the uh, the credit boom and people were building everywhere. And as an engineer, you were just so busy. Like I, I almost couldn't work enough hours. But I was determined, as she alluded to, during that time in my life, I was kind of solidifying and, and kind of coming back in my faith. And I was determined that I was going to stay connected at my church and staying connected to not just things happening at the church, but to the people at the church. And so this friend that she talked about had invited us out to a taiko drumming thing in Washington Park. And so they had this performance, and so we were just going to go down there. So I came down there. I'm completely exhausted from work, but I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm patting myself on the back. I made it, right? So I just kind of want to sit down, enjoy some drumming, relax, and then she goes and she introduces me to this friend, and this friend had just gotten back from, I think it was like a short-term missions trip or something like that to the Middle East. Yeah, we were visiting a missionary there. Yeah. And so she was all on fire and just like bubbly and just uh, just just wanting to talk all about it. And I just got introduced to her as like, you know, this is my crazy missionary friend. And so I was like, okay. And so it was funny, but so we had that initial conversation, and it was really, it, she was it was she was nice she was good conversation and things like that but it was later really um so what what came out of that for us was that she invited she was intentionally choosing to to draw a broader network because she said if i'm ever going to meet someone i have to get out of my comfort zone and i have to get together with you know guys and girls and do things so she would just form these little social groups together with different people and just invite people to come out and do things so she got my contact information at that meeting and added me onto that list. And so I started to get invites to do things. And it was at one of those invites where essentially every very few people signed up to go to it. It was a Christmas concert, some little tiny church with a guy who played a fiddle, I think. And every there's only like me and one other guy who said, yeah, we'll go. And uh, the other guy at the last minute canceled. And so she called me up. She's like, do you still want to go? And I was like, well, sure, it's not like it's a date. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> it was very date-like, except he didn't pay for my coffee afterwards. <laughs> All my other friends would pay for my coffee. <laughs> Never living that down. <laughs> <laughs> but what came out of that for me that was really powerful was uh, I'd seen and experienced, I mean, growing up around the church, I, I'd been around it a long time. And, and even in that time, the the young people that were at the church there was a lot of kindness and there was a lot of grace for people who maybe had 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 moments where they had drifted from the Lord or things like that. But there was that general sense of the, you know, damaged goods. And when, when ladies were looking for potential marriage partners and people like that, there just tended to be like, I would kind of pick up this hesitant vibe. And so it was one of those things that I just kind of assumed, okay, it's not my time, that maybe somewhere down the road, God will open the door for me and it'll work out and it'll be fine. And so I was at peace with that. But that conversation that I had with Stacy after that concert, 
we were just having a conversation and she was just so open and transparent. And in some of her relatives, she had seen people who had wandered from the Lord and come back and she was so grace filled. And there was really this concept that what, what Christ has remade is new. And so I'd never seen and experienced anything quite like that. And so that began to open up in my eyes the possibility that maybe God has something planned for me that's sooner rather than later. And so I began to kind of open myself up to the possibility of, you know, a relationship. And it's interesting because I just made the connection as you were talking that, uh, you know, that conversation had a lot to do with forgiveness and how the -hmm. church interacts with people who've done some really bad things and how do we forgive them like Christ did and, and, um, you know, integrate them into the body. But it just occurred to me as we're thinking about mission connection, that it was at mission connection, the Lord really matured this idea of what it means to forgive and live in a place of forgiving people. And so it'd be fun to talk about that if, if we can, Mike. (laughs) Oh, I look forward to that. There's an expression out there that say Christians are the very first to shoot their own. So it's nice hearing (laughs) the other side about not only redemption, but forgiveness for those around us. Whether or not their offense has directly affected us, it's too easy for us as the church to quickly write someone off and want to cancel them and have nothing to do with them and find nothing redeemable because of the splinter in their eye versus the plank in ours. Mm. Well, and as you say that, I I have to point out, like – during that time when I came back, and this was 2000 and kind of a walk from 2004 through 2006, I was in a really vulnerable place. And I can't even describe to you how amazing it was. The, the men at my church, they were just, it was just stocked with godly men. And they just came beside me. And there wasn't judgment. There was nothing but mentorship and encouragement um, at all levels, from young guys to old guys. And it was just such an incredibly warm, supportive environment. And that combined with um, Stacy and her encouragement. uh, Initially, we started off as friends and her encouragement as a friend and helping me to to walk and to grow. um, I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't be um, walking where I am now with the Lord if it weren't for numerous people like that who not only have their fingerprints of that moment in my life, but who on an ongoing basis – um, continue to. Uh, when we made the decision to go on the field, uh, inadvertently we chose an organization that uh, I didn't even realize uh, people in my family had had issue with. And so when I was sharing with people in my family, um, I got a message back from my dad basically saying, if you do this, I will disown you. Our relationship is done. It's over. And um, and by by Grace, God surrounded me with godly mentors who they and their wives came beside us and walked with us for about what I think three months, three mm-hmm. or four months, and enabled us to to strengthen and restore that relationship with my father, and uh, to enable us to go forward and to serve the Lord. Um, and it required some adjustment. It required um, some bouts with humility and some some struggles. But about a, a month of me working through resentment about having to choose a different organization. (laughs) But the beautiful thing about it was, again, is that you talk about, when we're talking about beautiful things that are working in the church, this is something that's working. And it has a profound impact. Again, the enemy meant to keep us from the field, keep us from serving. And 
godly people stood up and they walked through a, walked with us through a hard time. But when my father passed away a few years later, um, we had a great relationship. And I'm so grateful that those men who were wiser than me and those women who were wiser than me spoke up and mentored us in a very strong way during that time because we needed it. And I have no regrets. We've changed the names to protect the innocent and keep people as safe as possible. But when we return, more with missionary family Philip, Stacy, and son John next on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and hopefully you've checked out the resources at the website missionconnection.com, which is spelled mission, C-O-N-N-E-X-I-O-N.com. And we've changed our names to protect the family and the organization, but we have the missionaries in studio with us today, Philip and his wife, Stacy, and one of their kids, son, John. So thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule while you're still here in the States. Thank you so much. I love the stories that you've been sharing with us, and I've got a friend who's moved away, and I'm looking at his relationship woes under two different lenses. One is there's nothing new under the sun. He's not undergoing anything that any of us as singles who aspire to be married, and there's no crime if you don't have already gone through. And at the same time, He's fighting discouragement because he's meeting women online that he believes would be compatible with him. They start off a good conversation, and then perhaps it's because he's bearing too much of his soul early on in the process. They don't want to meet with him. So for those of us who may be single right now and who have it on our heart to become married someday, and we don't feel that there's many fish in the bowl right now. Do you have any words of encouragement? Um, pray. <laughs> the pray is a big one. It sounds maybe trite and churchy, but it's true. But, you know, Philip had referenced the, the activity list that I put together. I was actually quite introverted and quiet and shy. You're giving me an odd look because I, I'm not I, I anymore. Because of the two of you, I see you <laughs> as the extrovert and Philip as more introverted than you but you're telling me yeah. you used to be so, introverted before you got together we switched when we went on the field yeah. it was funny but even before that um i had realized i had a roommate and and she did a lot of she had a lot of hobbies but they were all like crafting or like water aerobics or things like that and i thought to myself that's not a way to meet a man and so i thought about it it was very intentional i decided i wanted a hobby that you can't do by yourself and that both men and women like. And it had to be something I like, because otherwise, what's the point? And so I decided, um, because we live in the great Northwest, I thought I should start hiking. And so I got a few um, I got a few pieces of equipment that were reasonably priced. You know, I was not making very much money. And I just committed everybody I meet, I will ask them to add them to the email list at the time. right? And so I would research the hikes and put it out there and be like, okay, Saturday we're doing this. Who wants to come? And that's eventually how I met Philip. Um, but I kind of decided to be an extrovert. I came home from college. I had gone to university in Colorado and I moved back home and 
I just, you know, my high school friends, I was too shy. I didn't have many friends and they had moved on with life. <laughs> so um, I just decided to be an extrovert. I, and I, I faked it and I eventually made it. <laughs> Interesting. So you decided to not be an introvert. It's a very introverted thing life. to do, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Stacy, because I hate labels. I despise labels. I think something that I've seen in the modern American church is too quick a propensity to label people. Mm. Oh, you're 40 with no kids. Therefore, you belong in this box. Here's where you should serve us. And I don't think it's always intentional, but that's certainly how a lot of people perceive it. Mm-hmm. But you refused to say, I am an introvert. Therefore, I am stuck for the rest of my life with all these classifications that are put on my label. Yeah, you didn't see it that way. And yes, we're all born with some God-given talents and tendencies and things like that. However, you refuse to be labeled and typecast and put in a box. So Mm -hmm. good for you, Stacey. Thanks. I think that continues in our ministry, too, actually. I think both Philip and I dislike labels. And uh, in our relationship, we don't really conform to the stereotypical gender roles um, just in the way we relate to the world and, and to like the Myers-Briggs, all these personality things that we tend to be more reversed. And so um, my sister recently said to me that she really appreciates how we encourage one another to um, develop and do what the Lord has given us to do and how he's made us without regards to what it might look like from the outside. And honestly, serving in missions in the evangelical church, it can be a little bit uncomfortable and hard to explain uh, but it's it's how God made us. And I think, too, it's like what we found, like you, it's funny because culture changes, like you go to different parts of the world and um, church culture actually changes a little bit. And um, so one of the things that we found and that I really am grateful for in our marriage is we're more focused on be obedient. I want Stacy to be obedient to what the Lord is calling her to do. And I want, you know, and she wants me to be obedient to what the Lord is calling me to do. And we trust that the Lord is calling us to things that bring us together, that grow our marriage. Back to the singles question, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm really glad that we're not, that I'm not single right now. Um, but, you know, in my 20s, I felt the tug toward missions quite early. And, I could spiritualize it and say the Holy Spirit stopped me from pursuing that. But really, I was just afraid to go single to the mission field. I was afraid of a lot of things, but one of them was that I would never marry. And so I didn't go. And I mean, God works everything out and it's worked out for me and Philip. But I think just to have that patience and that heart to obey what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do as a single person and just to move forward with that confidence and, and pray for what you ask, you know, God says to ask, ask for what pleases him and he'll give it to you. And so it pleases him to have people fully devoted to him, both married and single. And so just know, know if you're called to singleness, that's a good one to start with, but also to pray for what you want. And I I think answering that question for, from, I don't know, a guy's perspective, from my perspective is that, I think there's a strong tendency uh, that I've experienced in my time in the church where the guys in the church, there'll be 20 guys chasing. If there's 20 guys and 20 girls, there'll be 20 guys chasing after two girls. 
And it's like there's a tendency for for us to focus on a particular girl in a group or something like that. And, you know, because it's like, I don't know, maybe you want the best or you you want, you see, oh, she's pretty. Oh, she does these things. Oh, she's smart. All these different things. And, And we're not opening our eyes to looking beyond the surface. We're not opening our eyes to looking at the hearts and, and to all of who God is creating people to be. And I think one of the things that I found that was amazing was, you know, some of the, the, the bumps along the road that I went through taught me to, to cast my eyes broader. And, you know, so when I looked at Stacy, Stacy is wonderful. She's beautiful. She's all these things. But what I found is she was that person that when you would talk to the old guys at the church, they all had a twinkle in their eyes when they would talk about her. They loved her. They thought she was amazing. But she wasn't that person, and she was adored by other people, but she wasn't that person that you would have liked, that one sparkly person that sings on the worship team or you know whatever, all these different things. Because what I found was that you would you would look at the church, and it's like those those people who are like that one sparkly person or two sparkly people would be they would be the ones who, you know, they would be married quickly, these kinds of things. And it's like there's this attitude that I saw in numerous of my guy friends where we'd just be sitting and talking, and it's like if the guys couldn't have that one sparkly person, they would just wait for the next sparkly person. They wouldn't cast their vision wider. They wouldn't say, all right, Lord, and and and, and look deeper and search the hearts. Because I think what I found is that there's so many aspects of Stacy that I would have never— I wouldn't have known to ask for. I wouldn't have known to thought about. But in just following the Lord, he brought us closer together, and I got to see those things, and I got to see the how God has used those things to make her an amazing partner in life, an amazing mother. And there again, they're just things that I wouldn't, the younger me would not have thought to ask for. And so for me, I think one of the most amazing experiences that I had one time was going to Haiti on a short-term mission trip, and there was a guy in that group who I think was like 82 at the time, and he was about to be married for the first time, and he he gave this amazing devotional, but it was one of those things that in it he talked about the you know how God uses discontentment and how he'd been content for so many years, and then God created discontentment in his heart, and then you know, when he met this one sweet lady and this one widow on the church bus, you know, when they were kind of going to some little, you know, elderly event kind of a thing. And that was when he wanted to get married. And and God put them together, and it's been a blessing both to them, but also to her children and everything like that. But what I saw in that is that God is faithful, and that is, is, is uh, my heart is really for the guys and to say, you know, pursue God with everything that is in you. And, you know, I mean, what I tell my children is, first, pray and ask the Lord, have you gifted me with the spiritual gift of singleness? Because that's the best way. If if God has given you that gift, that's the best way. Pursue it. And I took, for my case, I took a whole year, and I prayed over that. And And at the end of the year, God was very clear, and he came back to me, no, you don't have that gift. So I knew if I don't have that gift, he's going to provide a wife for me. And then after that, if you know that you don't have that gift— then pursue God with everything. And God loves you. He wants the best for you. And I feel like he will bring someone to you in his time. Now, my friend had to wait 82 years, but God has filled his life with joy. And during that time, he served the Lord. 
And so I, I just, I look at these things and I tell these guys, it's in my heart, like some of my best friends, I'm like, just again, let go of, let go of, of what you think should be or your own kind of, I think we have a way of forming our own dreams and our own desires. And they're not in conflict with the Lord's necessarily. They're just kinds of things that we want. They, they fit us that they, we, they're comfortable. And I, I think one of the, well, I know the most attractive thing to me about Philip was his single, like his single minded devotedness to God. But above all, that was clear from his life. And I thought that's the kind of character, the kind of man that's worth pursuing. And it was funny how God put us together in that way because we have very different relationships with the Lord. We're extremely different people. And our relationship with the Lord is very different. You know, Stacy's relationship with God, I, I joke with people, it's like the 84-year-old couple, you know, that's been married for 60 years walking down the side of the road, you know, kind of a thing. And he just kind of talks to her and she just kind of talks back and they kind of like read each other's thoughts and do things. And it's it's a very sweet connection to the Lord. My relationship with the Lord is much more like we're sparring partners. And, you know, part of what 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 I needed to unlock my potential in the Lord was coming to a place of acceptance with that and saying, you know what, I'm not going to hide my struggles, my my things with the Lord. I'm going to bring them out in front of him and say, I don't like this, God. I'm going to do it, but I don't like it. And being honest with him about that and then us having that wrestling process back and forth. But you can imagine if if you're someone who's who has learned how to wrestle with the Lord and he's made you for that and you've embraced that role, how beautiful it is to see the tranquil pond, to see something as peaceful as is the relationship my wife has with the Lord. And God uses both in our lives. Thank you so much for your insights. I really appreciate that. And especially Philip, your term, Am I blessed with the gift of singleness? Because so many of us who grew up in the United States think, oh well, for me to be quote unquote successful, I have to have the marriage, the house, the white picket fence, the cat and the dog, the 2.5 kids. And that's not the biblical definition of success by any means. So thank you for sharing that and your experience with us. I really appreciate that from you both, Stacy and Philip. So I want to make sure that I ask you, what message for the church do you believe that God's put on your heart? How long do we have? (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, I I grew up in the church, a Baptist church in Beaverton, and then later um, a non-denominational church, but I have a very solid foundation of theology. We did all the apologetics, all of that stuff, and that's important. I don't want to minimize that, but serving overseas and just in life, my theology has become very simple. Love God and do what he says. And it, it sounds simplistic, but you know, what he says is actually can be quite hard. And I think for me, we had the opportunity to do an eight week road trip in the fall. And every single person we stayed with, which I think, I don't know, 30 some households, everybody had a different story. Everybody was solid believers who we either knew some, in some cases they were strangers in some cases they were old friends or family friends or family. And everybody had a different experience, a different reason for why they were doing what they were doing. You know, the, the topic of the moment was the mask mandate or vaccine mandate, actually the vaccine mandate. And I thought there were two sides to that issue, but I learned that every person has their own side and every person's side is informed by experiences, beliefs, attitudes, and just to 
um, listen well and love well and to understand that people are all trying for the same thing. (laughs) They want to live. They want to follow the Lord. They want to raise their kids, you know, and just to to humble ourselves, to put aside our own opinions for the sake of loving each other well, I think is really important, especially within the church, but also to love those outside of the church in a similar way where we're not judging them. We're listening well, we're finding ways to empathize, and we're showing them that who Christ is by humbling our own opinions, humbling ourselves, and and loving them. And I think um, I was reading in Philippians, in Philippians 2, and it says, you know, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mine. And the part that really stuck out for me in that was having the same love. And I feel like right now, there's so many things to love. We all have multiple things that we love, right? We love our families, we love our careers. We love the Lord. We love all these different things. But when life gets as messy and as crazy as it is right now, I feel like for the church to distill back on that, having the same love, that one love, that one thing that we love corporately more than anything else, I think becomes important. And so that's that's kind of my dream for all of us, not just uh, the church in America, but for the church globally, that we would solidify on that love of, of Christ as the head of everything, that that would supersede anything and everything. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. I'll just put that out there. We don't do it all the time, but it's hard. We but try. God's good. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much, Philip and Stacy and Son John, not their real names, for coming off the mission field and sharing your insights with us today. Do check out missionconnection.com spelled mission c-o-n-n-e-x-i-o-n dot com and thanks so much for listening to Difference Makers three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.